This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A skip arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Bruning, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hello. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. I'm... Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies to Kirk Street and Lana. Time will get rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 in the only relevant U.S. time zone. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusCanton.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Ace, and I'm Felix Sharp. On a fanciful, fanciful version of tonight's show, can Georgia knock off Alabama in the SEC? Does Emory Jones even matter? And will we see another Javante Williams slash Michael Carter type backfield in 2021? But we have to start with Cam Akers going down yesterday or the news breaking that he went down with an Achilles injury. Um, Mikel Ashore, Arian Foster, Donta Foreman, there have been a lot of high-profile type players who have had this injury, Matt, and it's all of them. All of them have been dust after they came, they came back from the injury. Yeah, I mean, the one thing uh, I think Akers is better than all those, and that's coming from someone who's not even the biggest fan of, of Cam Akers as a, as a player and prospect. But I do think that he can bounce back from this. I don't expect it to be in 2022. I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, he'll be back and fine next year. I mean, if you even want to go on the light side, that injury usually takes about nine months to bounce back from. So you're already talking about getting right around this time of year before you're jumping into training camps. I think – if you want to be a little bit on the other side of it, maybe you say it takes him a year. So he comes back right before the season starts. I don't think he's going to be good to go. We talked a little bit about this on the roundtable, Matt Fox and I did uh, when we recorded it yesterday. 
And the only player who's bounced back in less than a year is Kevin Durant. And I think it's fair to say he's a unicorn, not just in the basketball world, but as just an athlete in general. And even he struggled a little bit the first couple months of getting back into it in basketball. And I feel like while the jumping is going to be a bigger thing in, in basketball, I don't think he has to do deal quite with the cuts and everything that Akers will have to do in the backfield as a running back. So I think your best bet is hoping Akers fully bounces back by the 2023 season. And then at that point, what is he for fantasy and what is he for the Rams? Because – I know there was a lot of talk about Darrell Henderson yesterday, and, and I've talked about it. We had a big discussion about it in our Slack channel the other day about Akers and Henderson. I thought Henderson was going to get more work than other people did because he just he was there last year and he didn't go away. And he, in some ways, outproduced Cam Akers. Maybe not the receiver that Akers is, but he outproduced him in some ways. And so I think Henderson would have still had a pretty big role. I don't think he's going to get that role away now. They don't have anybody else there. So Akers is a guy I'm I'm fading because I'm a little bit more. Uh, what's the what's the word that you always use, Austin, when you're um, looking at prospects? Well, I don't want him. I don't want to be in the in the Cam Akers business at all. Yeah. I mean, what's whatsoever. I mean, I, I just got to. I don't remember. I, it, it, I mean, like it, it, uh, Richard Sherman came back, Terrell Suggs came back, but we don't have any evidence of a running back coming back from that injury. And so, I mean, if people are throwing around any type of first for him, I'll take it. I mean, in campus to Canton leagues, depending on what you could get, I would be trying to – like I'm not in the business of – like that injury is not to the point where we see running backs coming back. ACLs don't have a problem with it. Marshawn Lloyd, we're going to talk about him later. He'll be fine. But Achilles injuries, Austin, that's just uh, – that's you. I feel like you gotta you got to get from underneath that player. Yeah, he's a total fade for me at this point. Um, I actually don't have any acres anywhere. He's one of those guys that I just really liked as a prospect and never, you know, just was not able to get my hands on him, um, unfortunately. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I don't think I feel better about Daryl Henderson today than I did yesterday, though. Like, I always thought Henderson had a role, you know, 30% of the touches, 35%, 40%, somewhere in that range. So now does he get bumped up, you know, to 50-ish percent. I don't think he's a bell cow guy. I'm selling him like he is. See what I can net for him here in the next couple weeks. If anything, I think Matthew Stafford might be might have to carry a little yeah. bit more of the load. And he's absolutely – he has the potential to do that. He can absolutely do that. I mean, he carried the load uh, in Detroit when they and when they um, uh, couldn't run the, ball, run the ball at all. But I would still have the Rams as the favorites to come out of the NFC. I mean, I, I would still have the Rams to come out. Of the NSC. All right. Um, we had well, some let, me mail- ask, let me ask a question oh. really quick. We had uh, someone posted this in our Discord channel. So I, I want to ask you guys this because we commented on Maybe YouTube didn't see it. I saw Moxley was going to answer, but then he didn't. Uh, someone offered a trade of Cam Akers for Eric Gray. Would you Would you do that trade? I know. I don't think- I'd do that in a heartbeat. I'd like take Eric Gray. Yes, I'd do yeah. that in a heartbeat. Yeah, he's a first round rookie next okay. year, yeah. right? For like so, in like a dynasty yeah. draft. Yeah. Regardless of what I think about him. I think agreed. That's, okay. Yeah. So that, that's what I said too. And cause he was against that. And my argument was, cause I mean, I'm not a big gray guy either, but I was like, he's going to go into Oklahoma's offense. He's going to smash. He's going to likely get at worst day two draft. Capital. So he's, I agree. He's going to be a first round rookie pick. Why wouldn't you trade? Cause you're going to be able to sell Eric gray for more later if you don't want him. So I agreed. I was just curious because PJ was very against that. I know you're ride or die with acres Moxley. Be quiet. So yeah, I, I, I was just curious what your guys thoughts process were on that. Cause I know one of you are at quite as big on gray either. 
I mean, we saw Kenneth Gainwell go, what, in the fourth round? And I think Eric Gray is probably a better prospect than he is. And he has the benefit of he's going to play the season before he's actually drafted. So I think we could absolutely see Eric Gray, who had 30 catches his last season at Tennessee, um, get day two draft capital uh, next year. So, uh, yeah, I'm absolutely taking Eric Gray. And and regardless of what people say – People are going to look at the Oklahoma helmet way different than they look at that Memphis helmet. Yeah, that's true. They just do. Yep. They just do. The, the, you know, no. scouts will say they don't. You know, they don't look at helmet, whatever. But the yeah, fact I mean, that the guy, at, yeah. Look at Ramondre Stevenson. That dude's a bum. He got drafted in like the fourth round too. Didn't let's he? not. <laughs> let's not. Don't. 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 Come over Felix here. is like right on to the next thing. He's not. He is not a bum. He is not a bum. And we're and we're going to see. No. Uh, we're going we're going to see this year. Um, go to the go to our website campusdecant.com. Uh, we've got the the deepest college rankings that you could find anywhere around in 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 campus. And C two C season is here, um, and we've got some questions from our Discord that we're going to answer here. Austin, I'll throw this to you first. Uh, this is from App State Avery. How do you evaluate a trade where one side is college assets and the other side NFL? Gauging value in a C in C two C context still feels complicated at times. Yeah, still, I, I think the the easiest cheat way to do it is, is what do I think this guy is going to go for in rookie drafts in X amount of years? So like we just talked about with Eric Gray, I think he's going to be a 110 kind of guy in next year's class, 1-8, you know, the running back bump a little bit. I, I try to kind of piece together that the best I can based on my rankings and based on just what the public perception is going to be as well. So like if I'm... Like, for I sold Kamara in a league last year. I got back CEH and then I got CJ Stroud and Jerome Ford. And I tried Kamara was probably a three first guy. So I kind of sat down and said, Do I think Stroud can be a first round guy? Do I think CEH? You know, you, you just kind of sit there and you do the math on your, your, your fingers and toes a little bit and try to come to an answer. So that's, I think that's the easiest way to do it. Um, if you're not well versed in just general value as a whole. And, um, you know, for players who are in the the incoming rookie class, so Brees Hall, C.J. Spiller, just list your running backs and see where you would slide them if they had, if they are if they get the draft capital that you expect them to get, and that's how you you know you can kind of gauge. So, um, but I mean, be on the lookout. We might have something to uh, help out with that at campusdecant.com sooner or sooner or later. Um, Matt, how many prospects do you evaluate extensively in each class and what position have you had the most success with? That's from Kev, who's also in one of our loyal listeners who's also in British the Kev. British Kev. Well, we know I'm very I'm not successful at uh evaluating running backs. I feel like that's been well documented over the past couple episodes. So let's let's go past it's because you love uh, that vision, Trey. I do love vision. We're gonna talk about a guy with vision here in just a couple minutes who I'm really excited about. So let's see if he proves me right this year. Uh I really enjoy watching quarterbacks. I don't know if I can say I'm successful at it. I feel like I've done a pretty good job in the past couple classes in projecting who I thought was going to be good and moving forward. When it comes to how deep, I mean, it depends on what we're talking about. If you're talking about rookie classes, if I really don't believe a quarterback, wide receiver, running back is going to be that good, I probably don't go that deep in it. I mean, we're talking, we've got an oncoming or incoming series with the 2022 um high school seniors right now the guys are going to be freshmen next year i know austin's much deeper than me and alfred i'm almost 20 deep now at each position and my goal is to try and get 
I mean, at a wide receiver, running back, can go possibly even 50 deep. So it really just kind of – eventually you get to a point where you're watching some of these guys and they all just kind of blend together, and that's where I'll typically stop, stop because I don't think I'm going to find a, another guy later at the diamond in the rough. But it, it varies from class to class. I can't give, like, an exact number. I mean, when I'm bored – I will. I mean, I have a list in my phone. So when I hear Austin and Colin on campus live talk about a player, I'll put it in. And I haven't seen that player. I'll put it in this notes column. And then when I'm bored, I just go and watch these high school players. And like you said, Matt, sometimes these guys just blend together. But every once in a while, you get a Donovan McCauley who looks like, you know, Johnny Manziel or Aaron Brooks back there and it really gets you excited. So it's really fun to find some of those players that you. Um, are really, really excited about. Austin, uh, do you build for the NFL side first or do you draft college heavy first in a C2C startup? I think uh, it's a general, this is from Krieger, a uh, general question about how you build in C2C drafts. Is it Krieger or is it Kegger? Kegger. Yeah, I think that's Dylan McKeg, who's in yeah. the listener yeah. league as well. Yeah. Uh, Santa Claus. Uh, Mr. Picking at the turn. He's actually having a pretty good draft. He's he's pissing me off a little bit with some of the picks that he's taken. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Um, I think it's less important about deciding beforehand that I'm going to draft NFL or I'm going to draft college and just trying to have like, like this sounds really stupid, but like it's all one team. Even though you have two championships, it's all one team. So I think the best, like the teams that I come away the happiest with at times aren't the ones that are the most stacked after like a, a, a startup draft. It's the ones where I feel like, you know, I have my NFL team. I have a whole like QB2 and RB2. And in my first two rounds of my campus draft, I walk away with a quarterback that's coming up next year and a running back that's coming up next year. And they're both, I feel, top prospects. I feel really good about that. And I wouldn't say that I that's necessarily an NFL build or a college build. I think that's a very underrated part of team building is, is thinking of it as one giant squad. So to answer the question, neither. Um, obviously, if I can stay young on the NFL side, then I'll do it. But that that I think that's generally how I approach it. Just to give an example of how those things were in the in the team that I am most proud of that feels most stacked. Um, last year in the startup, I grabbed, I liked the 2021 running back class. So I grabbed Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, um, JK Dobbins. I also, I've got Deontay Johnson and, um, DK Metcalf, my wide receivers. I think I got TJ Hawkinson as a tight end, but my quarterbacks last year were Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins, but that was intentional (laughs) because I knew, one, I could get the 101 to get Trey Lance, which I did. And then I've got Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, too. So, you know, that team is going to be just fine for a while. And uh, people are going to get tired of me telling that story because I think that's like the third show in a row that I've mentioned that team. But all right. The bulk of tonight's show is SEC East preview. Uh, we've got some interesting teams in the SEC East, and Matt Vanderbilt is probably not one of them, but what do you got to say? Disagree. Um, just to say, uh, Mike, uh, we saw your question on Carson Strong. If you stick around for the after show, we'll talk about Carson Strong, but we are all big fans of him here. So for Vanderbilt, uh, impact returners, there are none uh, that I could really find that I think are going to do much. Incoming transfers, my guy, Raymond Davis, uh, registered sophomore running back, 
Davis made a name for himself as a freshman at Temple in 12 games. He rushed for 936 yards and had 181 receiving yards. So combined, he went over 1,000. He only played in four games last year, ended up opting out and going into the transfer portal. There was a lot of just discord with that team. He ended up leaving. He joins on with Vandy here, uh, and I expect him to be the lead running back. I went back over the past few seasons, and they've had one running back who usually gets a bulk or a majority of the carries. That player a couple years ago, many of you may remember, was Keyshawn Vaughn, who ended up getting pretty – was he a third-round pick? I don't remember. But I feel like he got somewhat decent draft. I remember a bunch of people hyped him up, so – uh, if Davis can get 200-plus carries or close to it on this team, I think he easily puts up 1,000 rushing yards, and he's a capable receiver, so I expect him to get at least 150 receiving yards being the main back in this backfield because they're likely going to be behind. He's a good pass blocker, so he can stay out there for all three downs. Uh, overall, I think Davis is a well-rounded back. He is, he's my got my go-to incredible vision, and he shows great patience behind the line. His ability to set up blocks and hit cutback lanes is very good. He also possesses great contact balance. He doesn't have that breakaway speed, but as you guys may know, if you listen to our draft profiles, that's not a big thing for me on running backs. I don't care why I still love Brees Hall. Um, and in his freshman season, we actually had him on my one of my other podcasts. He was dealing with an ankle injury, and he mentioned that he felt that is what hampered him in making defenders miss on his runs. Uh, and he wanted to improve on that going into his second season. Last year, he had 23 force missed tackles in four games. If you extrapolate that out, that's 63 for the season which would have been fifth in college coming in just two missed tackles behind Brees Hall and Sincere McCormick. That's the main thing I'm watching for with him this year. I think if he can show that, uh, I think he can get decent draft capital this year because really outside of Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller, there's a big group of guys that I think if any of them have a good season could really kind of stand out and, and get some decent draft capital. No impact freshman. Bottom line, Vanderbilt has a shot to maybe get three wins this year with the first-year head coach and his staff. It's kind of hard to guess how runner pass heavy they will be, but they're definitely a rebuilding program. Raymond Davis is the only player worth talking about on this team, the only player I'd be willing to take a shot on in my C2C or Debbie Leagues. I would just pay attention to the freshman quarterback who started last year, uh, Ken Seal. So through ten, uh, 12 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, I mean, I just always want where we'll talk about another uh, kid later who started as a freshman, especially in the SEC. I just want to pay attention to those types of guys. It doesn't mean that they're going to turn into anything, but I just want to keep tabs on them. Um, Austin, is is Kentucky more interesting than Vanderbilt? Um, I mean, is two is more than one, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess a little bit. Um Kentucky has potential, I will say, and I'll talk a little bit about what I kind of see for their season this year. You know, impact returners, uh, starting quarterback on. They do have a couple guys that were on the roster last year. Uh, Joey Gatewood, who was a major athlete coming out of high school, transferred over from Auburn last year. Um, He kind of struggled at times. He didn't even complete 50% of his passes last year. Um, but you know, he's there, he's alive. Uh, they also have Bo Allen, who was, uh, the 18th ranked pro style in last year's class, a very high three star. So they have some guys and then they transfer in Will Levis as well from Penn state who he's not very good. Like people saw that video of him throwing against air a couple months ago. And like, all of a sudden he's this hot thing. Um, he's not very good. So d- don't do that. Uh, the, the, really the big returning guy that was Chris Rodriguez at running back, uh, last year, uh, average 6.6 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns, really not a receiving threat at all. He is the Kentucky running back. He is, it's lazy. He is Benny Snell. He is Benny Snell. So expect day three draft capital. 
he's going to cling onto an NFL roster for a few years, and he's going to he's going to rush for quite a bit of yardage this year in college, uh, especially with that offensive line that. Um, uh, Cool. I forget how to say, if it's Cool Kabelic or Cool Kabelic. I forget how you say the C at the end. Um, but he's like a big time SEC guy. with the athletic. He says Kentucky has the best offensive line in the conference. Um, they always have. Just they they recruit linemen well. Um, so yep. so they that's going to be their game. It's going to be running the ball. Um, the other uh, kind of guys in the team are transfers in. I mentioned Levis already. Wandale Robinson coming in from Nebraska. I don't know exactly. I think he's going to kind of be their their Mookie Cooper who we're going to talk about. Like they're just going to try to get the ball in his hands in a variety of ways. You know, he played running back at Nebraska. He, he caught passes there. Uh, 34% dominator rating over his past couple years in Nebraska. So you got to figure it's basically going to be the Rodriguez and the Robinson show. They'll go as far as the O-line and the defense can take them. No impact freshmen, really. They have two very low star, low four-star uh, wide receivers. I don't expect either to do anything this year. Um, so I, I could see up to nine wins on their schedule, just just how the schedule lays out. I know it, I don't predict them to hit nine, but they play possible wins. Louisiana Monroe, Mizzou, Chattanooga, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vandy, New Mexico State, and Louisville. Those are all very winnable games. I, you know, They might get tripped up on one or two, so I think around seven, eight wins is a fair prediction for them. The other three games are Georgia, LSU, Florida, Probably not, um, but this team will go as far as that O line and the running game can take them. I wanted to draft Chris Rodriguez in a league where I needed a running back, and you just watch him, and he has like he'll have the edge on the linebacker and just green grass in front of him, and just he has no speed to 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 do anything with it. And so while he is he is Benny Snell, but he's like taller bigger Benny Snell, but just as slow, just as slow. That brings us to South Carolina, uh, the favorite team of our own Chris Moxley. Luke Doty, uh, an Elite 11 finalist, is going to return as the starter. Played in four games last year, had a 60% complete, uh, per 60% completion percentage, but this team is going to revolve around the running game. You've got Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd, who – uh, folks were really high on last year. Um, they're going to get the ball a lot because there's not a lot of talent outside of those two. Um, uh, Shy Smith was the leading receiver last year with just about 600 yards. Nick Muse was the, the tight end was the second leading receiver and Kevin Harris was the third leading receiver. So they're really, the cupboard is bare save for the transfer of Marion Brown. Um, Marion Brown had a really good freshman season, averaged almost 19 yards a catch for Georgia Tech in 2019, didn't mesh well with Jeff Sims. They just couldn't connect. So he makes the jump, which is questionable in my opinion, to South Carolina. Listen, Marion Brown is one of these small, fast receivers that we just saw uh, that the NFL was high on in the 2021 NFL draft. Jalen Waddle, 2-2 uh, uh, Atwell. Um Marion Brown has a 10-400 yard dash to his name uh, as a high schooler. So this is someone with some real speed, but not only speed, but we saw him be productive in his first year at, at, um, at Georgia Tech. But I don't know that South Carolina is the place to highlight his skill set. Now what they're going to do is they're going to 
run the ball a lot, and then I guess go play action and try to hit him over the top. But you, I would want to see him in a place where he's going to get more volume, and it just doesn't seem like he's going to get that uh, at at uh, South Carolina. But you could see him get some long touchdowns and and kind of um, have that twenty yard average again. Maybe we'll see. Um, there are no impact freshmen that at least from what I can tell. It's the 80th ranked class in the country, the 14th ranked class in the SEC. Um, This is not a very good team, and I think even Chris Moxley would admit that later on. But uh, I know that there is going to be some fun had Austin at Tennessee with the new coaching staff and everything they're trying to do there in, in Knoxville. Well, and you want to know what's crazy about what you just said there? They're the 14th. Can you use the 14th ranked class and they're what in the country? 80 something? Mm-hmm. 80. So, so Kentucky is the 12th ranked class in the SEC and they're 34th. There is a gap there between 12, 13, and 14. That's, that's pretty crazy. Um, Tennessee, impact returners, none. No, <laughs> not, not a lot. Quarterback last, starting quarterback's gone. The backup last year, Harrison Bailey, might be the starter. We're not really sure. He was a high-ranked guy last year, four-star, um, played with Eric Gilbert in high school. I feel like that's going to end up being his claim to fame. He's never going to do anything, but he's going to be in a bar in 20 years, try to impress the ladies, and says, I played with Eric Gilbert in high school. Um, so it's going to be him or two transfers I'll talk about here in a second. Running back, again, all three leading rushers are gone because their quarterback was one of the two. And then Eric Gray's gone to Oklahoma, Ty Chandler to North Carolina. Jabari Small, really the only returning rusher that did anything last year. 26 carries, 117 yards, no touchdowns. Um, he's in contention to be the starting running back this year. Wide receiver, they lost their leading guy in Josh Palmer to the NFL draft, was taken in the third round by the Chargers. They have a couple of guys coming back, but I wouldn't call them impact. They have Vellis Jones Jr., who is like in his sixth or seventh year on campus. That dude around has been around for forever. I don't, he's not very good. He's like a return specialist, and that's it. They have Jalen Hyatt, who is a deep ball guy. You know, he was a four star in last year's class. Does Jalen Hyatt exist? Like, I don't yeah, believe who, who is who is Jalen Hyatt? Is I'm not. I've heard the name. Okay, I'm just speaking on what I've heard other people say because I I don't believe this person exists. Um, yeah, I he might benefit from being in Hypo's offense if they push the ball down the field a lot. I really don't know. Uh, but other than that, you know, Malachi Wideman gone. They have just a, a who's who of four stars that have never done anything in college. It's like a graveyard there. Ramel Keaton. Uh, you know, some of these other guys. So I, I I don't expect that much from the offense. Transfers, incoming transfers that could impact them. They brought in Hendon Hooker from Virginia Tech, who's an okay passer, but I'm not sure he does what Josh Heupel wants in that offense. He is a rushing quarterback, and Heupel likes a mobile guy, but you need to be able to push the ball downfield, and I don't think Hooker can do that at a high level. They also brought in Joe Milton from Michigan, who was Felix's favorite player ever. He loved how he led that Michigan offense last year. Um, <laughs> For one game. <laughs> so if you yeah he tore it up that first game but if you look it's at his amazing. game logs they literally get worse every single game log it's hilarious he completely went 68 percent of passes in that first game then he went 62 52 47 41 33 percent but he has the arm talent that hypo might be looking for he does he that's does. a very good yeah. point so that's but i i don't i think tennessee's above his level and i think tennessee's an awful team um and then impact freshman i would have said maybe kate on salter 
uh, but he couldn't keep, you know, he couldn't keep himself out of trouble for more than two seconds. So he's gone. He's at Liberty. He'll fit in really well there with what they've got going on, um, both from a football standpoint and just off the field. Um, just really digging that that match for him. So the bottom line for Tennessee, I see Tennessee fans online talking about how they think they'll win like eight games this year. I think they'll be really lucky to win four, to be completely honest. They lost their starting quarterback, who wasn't very good, but this, you know, starting quarterback, their coaching staff has all been replaced. They lose their both their top two running backs. They lose a bunch of their receivers. Their their stud defensive, you know, middle linebacker and Henry Toto is gone. Most of the line. You can just go on and on and on and on. All these guys are gone. I find max seven wins on their roster, and I think they lose a bunch of these games. Bowling Green, Pitt, Tennessee Tech, Mizzou, South Carolina, South Alabama, Vandy. I could very easily see them losing three of those games. So it's going to be a really bad year for Tennessee fans, um, but hopefully Hypo can turn that around for them. A good season for Tennessee has to be if they identify a quarterback. Yeah. Now, you hated on Harrison Bailey to start to start that segment, but he threw the ball all over the place in the spring game and was very accurate deep. And I think um, uh, uh, Kyle Francis very uh, d- pays attention to systems and what coaches do. I think that we want pieces of Josh Heupel's offense, and it's just going to be is it – are there some – players that um that that are that play higher than their potential this year under him or is it going to be the recruiting classes that come in later but he has an offense that is aggressive and that we're you know we're going to want to have pieces of specifically in campus to canton formats when they're throwing the ball all over the place if it's you know harrison bailey to jalen hyatt that offense is designed to put up points it's just does he have the personnel to do it this year. I think the guys that you want aren't on campus yet. I really, really do. Like, I don't think any of those receivers are going to be day one or day two NFL draft picks. I don't think any of the running backs are. And I forgot to mention, they bring in two new guys, Tyon Evans, who is the number one Juco kid and uh, Jalen Wright, who's, who's an athlete. Um, like I, I just don't, I think the guys aren't there yet. We'll see what they bring in next year. Cause I don't think their recruiting class for 2022 is off to a super hot start, but I, I don't know what I, I I'm I, they're all values, but I don't know who it's going to be. So I just fade the whole offense. I think Matt Florida's offense was explosive last year. They're going to go through a quarterback change. They lose Kyle Pitts. They lose Tevin Grimes. They lose first round pick uh, Kadarius Tony. Um, what do you see? I mean, are, can, is there, is it possible for them to be just as explosive this year as they were last year? I mean, Dan Mullen sure believes so. They've got a lot of talent on their roster. So the the impact returners here, you've got Damon Pierce, the senior running back. Uh, Everything is pointing to him likely being the starter for the team this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if he splits the duties in almost a 50-50 timeshare. Uh, And we'll get to that running back here in a minute. Uh, He's got patience, vision, power, kind of the name of his game. Uh, But when I watch him, I'm I'm just not really wowed by him. I, I do think he probably has a chance to get drafted next year. Uh, but I, I don't think he's going to be overly that talented. You've got Emory Jones, the quarterback, uh, junior, first-round pick, Emory Jones, uh, by according to some at least. Uh, Dan Mullins named him the starter at Media Day. I think it was on Monday. 
said that he's pretty excited um, to much to the dismay of my, uh, my package here. He is excited about him being the leader of this offense says Jones brings some different dynamics to the offense. And he expects to tailor the offense more to that skill set with uh, Kyle Trask now being gone. Emory definitely seems to be a better fit for the offense. I do agree there. And he has a, he can use his legs obviously better than, than Trask. He's, he's brought in, he was brought in from time to time over the past, the couple recent years to do that. Definitely it's a strong arm, but I think he lacks the consistency and accuracy throwing the deep ball that Trask did. Uh, there have been sites, as I mentioned, claiming he'll be a first round pick. If he can do that, then other returning quarterback, Anthony Richardson, I believe does not see the field. I just don't see how Richardson gets on the field. If Emory is going to live up to that first round pick hype. Uh, I'm not sure we see much of Richardson in that case if Emory does that. And then I honestly have questions about whether Richardson will even stay in Florida. You've got Nick Evers coming in next year as a player that Austin has been very high on from the beginning. I believe he is top five for both of us in our quarterback ranks in the 2022 class. I think if Richardson stays, he'll be the odds-on favorite to win the job next year, but he could be a transfer candidate if Everett shows up early or does the early enroll and then balls out in camp. So that he's a guy that I would watch because I do think Richardson has some skill, uh, but he may not be long for Florida. Incoming transfers. Technically, he transferred there last year, but he has not played a game yet with Florida, I believe. That's Demarcus Bowman. Running back registered freshman. He is likely the future of the Gators' backfield. I do think we will see a fair amount of him this year, but likely he will be the second guy behind Pierce in this rotation. Uh, Bowman is explosive. He's got speed for days and can string together multiple moves while not losing any speed. He only played in two games for Clemson last year, so we didn't get to see much out of him. There's still questions about him, but I'm excited to see what he can do in this offense, especially with a guy like Emory Jones at quarterback. Impact freshmen, so I've got on here, they were the 12th-ranked national class, 5th in the SEC, but nobody on this list that I think is going to make any noise this year. I mean, you got Carlos Del Rio Wilson, but again, you got Nick Evers coming in next year at Wilson, maybe on his way out as well. Uh, Marcus Burke, you've got Dejon Reynolds. I think most of the guys that may make impacts for this team freshman wise are going to be the defensive guys they brought in, not really any of the offensive guys. They've got, you know, guys like Jacob Copeland. Uh, I can't even remember some of the other guys. I don't think those guys are going to do anything Great for the offense, but I don't think they're going to get supplanted. Xavier Henderson, there's someone else I'm forgetting now off the top of my head, but but those guys I think are going Justin to be the main shorter. Yeah, shorter. Yeah. There we go. They're going to be the starters, and I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I know. My kind of player. They're going to get um, bad. That, yeah, and undrafted like Austin Watkins and Warren Jackson. Yeah, so they they I think they're not going to get supplanted by the 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 young wide receiver. So Florida is definitely an e- intriguing team for me, though. They they made the SEC championship game last year, uh, and they did lose a lot of offensive firepower, as Felix just mentioned at the top. There, Trask, Pitts, Tony, uh, Grimes, they all left for the NFL. And for me, this wide receiver core is very uninspiring. But I imagine at least one of these guys will step up in some way. If Emory Jones plays again to that first round pick, he's being set at by a lot of these different sites and Florida is going to be a very good team. I think they can push Georgia to win the SEC East. I don't think that first round pick ability is in Emory Jones, but I mean, again, I've because I bet what I bet on the line, he's going to end up going and balling out and be like the third pick in the NFL draft. But I think a lot of this relies on what Emory Jones can do in this offense. They also lose Lucas Kroll, who transfers from Florida to Pitt, and he's a player that I just, you know, I kind of want to pay attention to. Florida has so many players who fit the profile of what I'm looking for, size, speed, strength. Anthony Richardson is absolutely the best, um, the best athlete at the quarterback position in the country. The best athlete at the, at the position in the country. I, I think that that's, I mean, he's, he's, 
he has Cam Newton-esque type rushing ability. The question is, is whether or not he's going to be a good passer. Maybe he, there's a position change there. Justin Shorter, who started a five-star wide receiver who went to Penn State, did nothing, went to um, Florida and has done nothing and has actually had some really bad drops and just bad plays. But then there's also Xavier Henderson, who's, again, one of these just tremendous size-adjusted athletes. But we got to see somebody put it together there. Um uh, out of the skill positions there at Florida. And Lucas Kroll left two years ago. Um, anyway, but that brings us to Missouri. Uh, Connor Bazalek held his own in 2021 um, as a freshman starter. Tyler Batty has 72 career receptions, and he could be an NFL uh, a player with his versatile skill set. You could probably – uh, start both well you can start batting your in your campus to canton leagues given um, how much it's going to be used in the running game and in the passing game Basilak is somebody that i'm going to pay attention to because he's going to have three years as a starter now austin is going to tell you that uh tyler macon from east st louis the quarterback that they brought in is someone that that could usurp uh Connor Basilak, I don't see that happening. I actually like Basilak. I think he was more than just a game manager in his freshman season, but I'm, I'll let Austin object um, here in a second. Um, <laughs> the impact transfer might be one of the biggest impact transfers in all of college fantasy, and that, of course, is Mookie Cooper, who made the right decision uh, and left Ohio State University and um, – left Ohio State University and went to and went to, to Missouri. He's going to be used in all facets of the game. Um, he's an athlete. I mean, he can be used in the, in the running game. He's going to be used on sweeps. He's, he's going to be used deep. For an offense, that keeps things really wide open. Now, 24-7 has identified that their 100 impact freshmen for the year. One of those was Dominic Lovett, who played with Tyler Batty at East St. Louis. Friend of the show, Alan True, comps him to Randall Cobb. Not an elite athlete, but, I mean, I've started to look at production in high school, and Dominic Lovett was absolutely productive. For, uh, through 14 games, 74 receptions for 1,540 eight yards that's a that's a lot of receiving yards for a high school player so watch out for Dominic Lovett he's probably someone that you can get late but this is a team that's going to be trailing um but it should put up a lot of points Mookie Cooper Tyler Batty are potential starters for you on the college side and then Lovett and Basilek are players that I'm going to draft or keep on my watch list but Austin you really you think that there's a chance making um, making uh, uh, can take the job from Basilek, not without some help. You know, I think we've talked about it a couple of times on the C2C pod where it just seems like those circumstances where the staff will play Basilek, but if something were to happen to him, like he could, like even like a four week injury, Macon just has way more tools than he does. Like, I, I think he could step in there and just perform really well, and all of a sudden Basilek comes back and his chair has been taken. You know, like I, I could, I see that, I could see that scenario, but I don't think without that that Macon overtakes him. I just think Baslack has too much of a head start there. And what about uh, how good do you think Mookie Hooper is going to be this year, Austin? I'm just curious because you, you've, you've consistently trashed him on this podcast. So I, just, I heard recently you may have said something nice about him. Not maybe somebody on nice this show. Him. Oh, okay. I must have misheard. I, I must have been a rumor. Yeah. No, I think no, okay. I, 
I, I still I still like the bet that we made though because the bet was a thousand what receiving yards, make? and I don't think he hits a thousand. I think he hits a thousand total scrimmage yards, but luckily when did we make this bet. We I mean, I'm really about bad it. about making bets, but maybe on the wide receiver summit. No, I, I thought like we talked about we, we were going to make one, but then we never did because then we got no. all tied. I don't know. Well, I'll go back and listen to it. I'll just kick you in the nuts again after the Emory Jones one. So what does get you? Let's twice. go. <laughs> Why not? A lot of things riding on Georgia this year, Austin. Um, can they win the SEC? Can they beat uh, Alabama? What players are going to make that happen for that team? Yeah, impact I- impact returners is everybody. The entire roster, basically. It, it, like, there's not going to be a freshman that touches the field because they just bring back so much talent. Even with George Pickens going down with the knee injury this offseason, they're saying he might be back. I don't see why he would push that i don't think he plays at all this year and he might never play for georgia again um matt do you have a i i disagree so i was listening to i can't yeah. remember what it's called the dogs dogs out or something podcast i think it's 247's uh georgia one they were saying that they think he will come back and play in november because he's not going to test well at any of the combine stuff so if he doesn't come back and show it on the field for georgia later this year his draft capital is going to go down the shitter so I, I would not be surprised if he does come back and try, especially if they're in the, if they're undefeated to that point or on their way to the SEC championship game with the chance to make the playoffs. I think he would come back and try and dominate that that top level competition he'll get at the end of the season and impossible playoff run because that will help him in his draft capital if he decides to come out. You want to put a bet on it? No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, My no, wife doesn't no. want to have kids anymore anyway, so let's make it three for three. Let's just Poor Matt. It. Poor Matt. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, t- even with him gone, they bring back JT Daniels as their starting quarterback, another full off season. They said he was kind of limping still last year coming off that knee injury that he suffered at USC. They're saying that is not the case this year. Um, if he goes down, I think Georgia is worried, but I think if he plays the full year and he looks sharp, they are a national championship contender for sure. Um, just Daniels brings a whole nother element to that offense. You know, he, he has a dot last year was 12.7. That was fourth in the country amongst you know, any passers that qualified. I did, you know, I said it's like 20% of, of eligible snaps or something. He does need to cut down a little bit on his turnover worthy throws. You know, just he's kind of a, uh, you know, hosted up and pray kind of guy. If he can fix that a little bit, I think he could easily be a early day two NFL draft pick next year. Running back, they bring back the stables. I mean, you're white, probably going to be the leader there. Averaged five and a half yards per carry last year, had 11 touchdowns, not really a factor in the receiving game. And I don't know if that's because he can't do it or just they have so many other guys there. All right. How much did um, it did uh, Carl pay you to say that, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Dak that's Nipple? Just, that's well, it. let me just intervene here since we, you know, for the listening audience, uh, Dak Nipple. Um, has an issue with our dismissiveness of Jalen Hyatt. He says, surprised you guys are so dismissive of, of Jalen Hyatt. Guy is a little Will Fuller to his game, and there's no competition for target. Targets, Hypel led the NCAA in plays per game at UCF, hope, uh, hoping Bailey wins the job. There was no con- competition for targets there last year, and he didn't do anything. I mean, J- I think people love Jalen Hyatt because he's kind of got that world-class speed, but – you know, let, let's wait until he does something until we kind of anoint uh, Mr. Hyatt there, who 
may or may not exist. I'm sorry, Austin. Go ahead and continue with Georgia. You're good. And my thing, I, I didn't like Hyatt coming out of high school. So I, the situation has changed, but I, I, I don't love the talent. Um, but yeah, so, so back to the running backs here. So Zamir White, but then you have Kendall Milton, who was a you know high four-star kid last year. Barely is even going to touch the field because he's still behind White. He's behind James Cook, Dalvin Cook's brother. Who's more of a receiving back there? You have Dewan Edwards, who I really like. He's a little, you know, he's like 5'10, 200. Um, but I like at 95 other college football programs across the country, Edwards would be getting a, a, a lot of touches. He's not because of Georgia. They have Kenny McIntosh. It, it, they have so many running backs that they brought in Lavoisier Carroll this year, and then they had to move to cornerback or safety because they just have so many guys there at that position. So uh, all of those guys are going to be in the rotation there. Wide receiver. The guy this year we think is Jermaine Burton. Uh, you guys are working under that same assumption. He's going to be the, the top dog there. Is he an he, alpha? I think he can be. I want to they only really used him on deep stuff or, you know, like a little, you know, just like, you know, quick at the ball. out. Like there's, there's basically this manufactured touches that basically are rushes to the outside. But they, you know, they just they hit the ball out there really quick. Um, Against Alabama last year, his numbers didn't pop, but they were playing man-to-man defense, and I can't remember number twenty-eight's name. Um, uh, Patrick Sertain had George Pickens, and twenty-eight had Jermaine Burton, and Jermaine Burton was getting separation from him very easily. So I'm really interested to see what Burton can do without George Pickens at his side, given how strong that running game is. Um, Jermaine Burton has all the athleticism. It's just a question of whether or not he can be a number one guy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out quick. I mean, they play Clemson week one, so we'll see what Josh, he can do there. But Josh Joby last yeah, year was Josh number 28. Joby. There you go. So, um, I, he's going to be their number one guy this year. They have Kiaris Jackson. I don't really get the, the Kiaris Jackson stuff because he only thrived with terrible quarterback play last year. As soon as JT Daniels came in, he didn't do anything. And obviously, I see, you know, JT Daniels likes to push the ball down the field, which is not Jackson's specialty. He is probably a slot guy at the next level. I just don't see anything there that's exciting. I think he's like a fourth or fifth round NFL draft pick. Um, then they have just a ton of first and second year guys there on that roster. They have Arian Smith, Speedster, uh, hurt his wrist. He'll be back this year. Marcus Roseme, who had the DAC injury, but he'll be back. And I loved him. I think he's. George Pickens-esque with how he plays. They have, you know, Justin Robinson. They have Adonai Mitchell. They just have a huge list of guys there that could do something and probably they need to do something uh, for the, for their season to really, you know, hit the highs that they think it can. Tight end, they bring back Darnell Washington, who I am not a fan of. He's just a he's a big athlete, don't get me wrong, but he's almost too big. And he's, as I've talked about in a bunch of shows, he's just soft. Like, he doesn't want to block. Like, I... I it's very hard. Like even like people, Kyle Pitts was a was a solid blocker. You're wasting him if you're doing that. But he he could do it at a base level. I don't think Washington can, Washington can do that. And he's not such a receiver that you you know he gets the Kyle Pitts treatment. Um, and then they brought in Eric Gilbert. The big question mark is is he a wide receiver? Is he a tight end? I'm interested to see how they use him, but I still think this is going to be a failed experiment. And then in the next year, he's back at more of a traditional tight end role. I think it's going to work. I really do. I really think it's going to work. So I think, I don't think he might have the label of, of wide receiver, but I think that he'll line up in line. I think they'll lose him all over the place and he'll get some of those 
wide receiver repetitions that might elevate him into the top 10 of the NFL draft, which is obviously his intention. I, he was already in my, he was already going to get that. If he just kept doing what he was doing at LSU, he would have been a top half of the first round guy. He put up crazy numbers. Last. He almost outproduced mayor and way fewer games last year. I mean, that just, he's, he's a, the best tight end prospect coming out of high school we've ever seen. So, uh, more power to him. Did the he bottom, outproduce Mayer, though? Did he? On a per-game basis, yes, by quite a bit. Yes. Did he? <laughs> I thought I'd just throw that back out that, there. That, 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 is, my, that is my best my best curb impression there. Uh, you're welcome, everybody. Um, so, bottom line, Georgia's a national championship contender, and I think even if they lose at or against Clemson week one, they can still contend. It greatly reduces their margin for error, um, but I, it, they're going to be in the playoff this year, and if they're not, there's going to be some questions asked there, I think. Um, can, can, can Georgia win the SEC championship? Yes. Bama, I'll keep saying, Bama is vulnerable this year. I don't care how well you recruit to lose eight, starters on offense including basically the entire offensive line your quarterback your running back your two leading wide receivers like something has to bend eventually and the defense replaces some guys too so I, they're they're not going to be trash they're not going they're not tennessee they're not going to win four games but that's south carolina it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if they lose two which said like so crazy like wow alabama loses two games but i yes yeah, so i think it wouldn't shock me either no, it wouldn't shock me either. And I don't – I can't remember my four playoff teams. I know two are Oklahoma and Georgia, and I actually think that they'll be playing in the championship game. That Georgia-Clemson game early on is going to be – I mean, that's be a ridiculous yeah. – yes, a ridiculous game. Um, Matt, let me ask you this, just about the division in general. Mookie Cooper transfers to Missouri to get more opportunity. Would you rather have him now – or, well, more total yards from scrimmage. Mookie Cooper this year or any of those OSU classmates that he came in with? Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, or your beloved G, Sm G. Scott? So the real question is, who has more scrimmage yards, Mookie Cooper or JSN? <laughs> because Julian Fleming and G. Scott aren't doing anything this year. So uh, I'm taking Mookie Cooper. I just wanted to hear you say that, but go ahead. I've already been on clip record it. saying that G clip Scott's it. not going to. I mean, if you want to clip, go back like three episodes ago when I, I admitted defeat. I fell on my sword. I did the whole thing. Um, I, it's Cooper. I, I don't want to say easily, but I have more faith that Cooper does it. I think he's going to be the main point of that Missouri offense. As much as I love JSN, I still think regardless of who wins the job, McCord or Stroud, it's going to be Olave, Wilson, then JSN. And I, I just also think with having Travion Henderson, you know, I, I don't – more and more people keep talking about Mayan Williams from Ohio State. He may actually have a bigger role, as Felix has been saying. You got I, – I know, Austin. I agree. But everybody's – Austin about is shaking his head? Are you shaking your head at, at Mayan Williams? I mean, there's a lot of people at Ohio yes. State who are saying that he's been really good. I think they're going to run the ball a lot as well. So I think JSN is just, he's going to get pushed down and maybe gets four or 500 yards receiving this year. He's not going to do anything in the rushing game. I think Mookie Cooper can get close to a thousand yards receiving. And then you add in the rushing yards. I think it's easily Mookie Cooper this year. I don't want to take Mookie Cooper long term over JSN. But if you're talking about a one year bet or whatever, I'd go Mookie. 
I'm sorry. We need to take this detour. Mayan Williams would have outtouched Master Teague in the championship game had he not gotten COVID. Had he not gotten COVID after Trey Sermon was injured, Mayan Williams very may well have been the lead back for the remainder of that game. He is a tremendously versatile runner. He can run with finesse. He can run with power. He's somebody that you do not want to tackle. I you talking about people being high on Mayan Williams. Mayan Williams is like the next Zach Wilson for me. I'm pounding the table, telling people I was just on the Debbie Marketplace singing the wrong theme song, yeah. um, pounding the table for for Mayan Williams. So Austin, you get that nonsense out of here. He's a, he's a meatball. That's not that's my type of running man. back. That's that's not my type of running back. It's really really not. Well, let's talk about some different running backs then. Um, Marshawn Lloyd and Kevin Harris. How productive can that backfield be? Can they be the next uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter? I. So here's the problem. Those two guys were able to do that because North Carolina was. I mean, they they had the guys up front to establish the run, and then they just they were up a lot. Like game script dictated that they could just pound teams at times. Is South Carolina ever going to be in that position? Like I I, I don't know, um, but I do think they're probably. Oh, it's so tough to say this because you have Alabama and Georgia in the SEC. They might they might have the best one two combo running back though in the SEC. They might. It's close. What do you think, Matt? I was trying to pull up how many times South Carolina rushed the ball last year. North Carolina was top ten. Yeah. South Carolina is not even looks like in like the top thirty or forty. So I agree with what uh, Austin is saying that I think they can be the best in the SEC, but I don't think because I also don't know how healthy Marshawn Lloyd is going to be coming back. You're talking about Javante Williams and Michael Carter, both fully healthy main parts of that thing. I still think Kevin Harris is going to be the lead back with Marshawn Lloyd kind of spelling him at times. So I think they could be the best in the SEC. I don't think they put up the kind of numbers Javante and Michael Carter did this year though. They ran. They ran it thirty-seven times a game last year, so not they're going to have to run more this year. Um, Matt, give me a yes or no. Emory Jones, first-round quarterback. First round, no. Austin, yes or no. Emory Jones, first-round quarterback. Can I, can I put like a, an adjective in front of it? Sure. Hell sure. no. <laughs> Hell no. I know. I know. My- parents are listening. Children are listening. So I won't put the word in front that I was going to. Hell no. Chris, how did we do tonight? Uh, y'all were okay. There are a lot of opinions thrown around and I can't technically correct those. So it was a little challenging for me, but we're not officially keeping score. There's a, uh, I mean, there's a board right here. I keep everybody's score at, but I will say that Austin was very complimentary of Matt on Canbound this week, you know, found on our C to C feed and now fantasy points feed. And so Matt kind of got a couple points on the, um, on the unofficial board, of course. But I, I will add that Kentucky is projected for six and a half wins in Vegas. So apparently Austin is one of the most bullish people in the country on Kentucky. Um, and Felix is out here trashing South Carolina. I need to go out here and defend that in 2020, they had the 19th class. And in 2022, they had the 16th class. So... 2021 is more of an outlier. So they're just anything. they're just stacked. So so South Carolina is just stacked. That's why they had a bad class this year. Well, a coaching change will do that. Um, and then I will say analytically, 
Although Meyer, Mayer and Gilbert were close, there is very little evidence that per game production matters more than total production. And uh, Mayer is clearly ahead, even if Gilbert shifts back to tight end. Thank you, Chris Moxley. That's going to be our show for tonight. Make sure you check out all of the content around the Campus to Canton family. Check out the website. Check out the Campus to Canton podcast feed. Um, apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Sal, we're thinking about you. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama. Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.